0: In order to understand the basis of scripture, we must place ourselves in the context from which they were written. As the scriptures confirm, there is power of life and death in the tongue. And in order for us to overstand the words spoken, we must acquire a superior knowledge which comes from the creator, most high, the beneficent, the most merciful, This podcast is dedicated to the seeking of knowledge, the reading of written word, and the understanding of the will of the Most High Creator of the ends of the universe. May he forgive me if I do or say anything wrong. Welcome to an Overstanding Word podcast where we discuss context of scripture in order to overstand the words within or intended applications thereof. I'm your host, Nakia Anderson, and welcome to this journey that we shall take together. Welcome back to another episode of an Overstanding Word podcast. And I am super excited to bring you this one today. Before we begin and jump into this episode, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the listeners overseas, Germany specifically. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Continue to share this podcast. Check out the information that's there in the bio as well. And as I always begin my episodes, I want to lay out the fact that we are blessed to see another day. So, I hope that you are ready to dive in and to experience what we've got in store for today's episode. If you've been following the podcast, you have been taking this journey with us as we dive into different scripture and different texts. And we have had the pleasure of taking you through chapter upon chapter throughout this. For today's episode, I've got something special for you. For everyone who is familiar with a standard bible that you can go out and purchase today you probably are aware that there are a total of 66 books that you get in that standard bible well very few people know that the what we call to be the standard bible of today is missing certain books that were in the original manuscripts that were used to translate the bible into see we've talked about the fact that when you read any biblical text if you're not reading it in hebrew aramaic or Greek, you're not reading it in the original translation. So what does that mean? Well, what that means is, is that you're reading a version that has been adapted to suit your language. So therefore there are some things from a contextual standpoint that have been lost or gained. And it is important that we consider that fact when we dive into scriptural texts. It is important from a context standpoint And this is why I always promote reading of the chapters before and the chapters after to truly understand what the writer of the Bible was trying to get you to understand about what was going on. So the reason I mention all of that is to give you an understanding of why, as I get ready to dive into this episode, I talk about the standard or quote unquote standard Bible. Because what I'm going to read today, what we have in store for you in this episode is something that you can only find in the apographer now for those that know the apographer the apographer is those additional books that you can't find in a standardized bible now there's a couple of different ways you can get access to the apographer of course you can go out you can buy an apographer or buy a bible that has the apographer and it gives you access to these additional 14 books and see people often question and say okay well why would they leave out certain books and it is my understanding again that this is, you know, just me, this is not anything that, that, you know, is from you, but this is me providing my own context, but it's my understanding that the original writers saw fit to take out those books because they wanted to provide an overall understanding. So what the, uh, the, you know, the standardized Bible achieves is an overall understanding of implications of what was transpiring from a historical context. And then from a prophecy standpoint as well. So All of that said, today we have a special, special and important book that we're going to cover today, and it's the Prayer of Manassas. It's only one chapter long, but it is very fitting not only for the time in which it it originally transpired, but it is very fitting for the times that we're in now. And it really takes you through the perils or the corridor of prayer and how to pray. And for those that know the Lord's prayer, you know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come as it is in heaven, as it is on earth. You know, the, that that prayer, the prayer that was laid out by Yahashua. Most people know the, that that prayer. That's probably one of the most memorized versions of scripture. But I want to give you a different perspective on this. And and as we dive into this today, this is, um, I hope it's truly uplifting and that it truly helps you to understand what. It means to truly have a relationship with your creator. So without further ado, let's dive in. So from a time frame standpoint, this prayer of Manasseh comes from the prayer of Manasseh. Now, Manasseh, those who know, was a king of Judah. And he was believed to be one of the most idolatrous kings to reign in Judah. Now, this comes from the time frame or the time period of around either the end of the first or second century bce or could it have even taken place around you know shortly after yahashua was born in the first century so you know again those are the time frames of when this is um supposed to occur according to the scripture now here's the other thing that's important about this as well is that when you go read second kings 21 um, you can find a little bit more context or Chronicles 33, Second 2 Chronicles 33. You'll find a little bit more about this as well. But King Manasseh was taken captive by the Assyrians. And so that's important because it is those idolatrous ways that led up to Judah eventually being captive, taken captive. Just so you're aware, the reading that I'm doing is going to come from the revised version with the apographer. Uh, this is the RV1895 version that you'll find. So if you're using any reliable apps, such as the Bible app, which I currently use on uh, my computer as well as on my cell phones, it's the RV1895 with the apographer. So that's the version that I'll be reading from. And the prayer of Vanassas starts like this. It says... Verse 1, O Lord Almighty, that art in heaven, thou God of our fathers, of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and of their righteous seed, who hath made heaven and earth with all the ornament thereof. So what is he saying? He's saying, you are the God of our ancestors. You are the God of the righteous seed who created the heavens and the earth and the ornaments thereof. That means everything that is in the earth, he's saying. Verse three continues. Who have bound the sea by word of thy commandment. See, people don't realize that one sea does not encroach upon another. There's a video that I have in my phone from where I was coming from, the Caribbean into the Atlantic. And this is when I was leaving on a flight from colombia and in leaving from colombia you get to see this beautiful line or demarcation where the oceans separate themselves they don't encroach upon the next ocean in all of his creation the splendor and majesty thereof he made the oceans even separate even though they are bodies of water they don't encroach upon each other let's continue with the reading who have bound the sea by the word of thy commandment, who hath shut up the deep and sealed it by thy terrible and glorious name. Verse 4 continues. Whom all things fear, yea, tremble before thy power, for the majesty of thy glory cannot be borne, and the anger of thy threatening towards sinners is importable. Thy merciful promise is unmeasurable and unsearchable, for thou art the Lord Most High, of great compassion, long-suffering, and abundant in mercy, and repentest of bringing evil upon man. Thou, O Lord, according to thy greatness, thy great goodness hath promised repentance and forgiveness to them that have sinned against thee, and of thine infinite mercies has appointed repentance unto sinners, that they may be saved. Verse 8, Thou therefore, O Lord, that art the God of the just, has not appointed repentance to the just, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, which have not sinned against thee, but thou has appointed repentance upon me, that am a sinner notice the target here he is saying that god of infinite mercies has provided mercies to even those that are sinners that not that it's appointed to those that are not sinners he talked about abraham isaac and jacob they were considered to be righteousness in in the sight of the most high creator the most high God. But that repentance is appointed to you and I. If you're listening to this, this is what repentance is appointed to for us as sinners, those that have sinned. We are appointed this through the most merciful God that's out there. So if he's appointed us that why can we not walk in repentance of our deeds? Verse 9 continues with this. Notice how now he's making this personal. For I have sinned above the number of the sands of the sea. We've talked about the sands of the sea in previous episodes. My transgressions are multiplied. Oh Lord, my transgressions are multiplied and I am not worthy to behold and see the height of heaven for the multitude of my iniquities. 10. I am bowed down with many iron bands that I cannot lift up my head by reason of my sin. Neither have I. I any respite for I have' provoked thy wrath and done that which is evil before thee I did not thy will in other words I did not do what you asked me to do I didn't do your will I did my own thing and therefore I fell into sin see again this is context neither kept I thy commandments I have set up abominations and multiplied detestable things that's the end of verse 10. King Manasseh continues with this in verse 11. Now, therefore, I bow the knee of thine heart, beseeching thee of grace. I have beseeched your grace. I'm now humbling my heart, which is what the Lord is after, what he's saying. Verse 12. I have sinned, O Lord. I have sinned and I acknowledge my iniquities. but I humbly beseech thee. Now I'm coming back to you. Forgive me, O Lord. Forgive me and destroy me not with my iniquities be not angry with me forever by reserving evil for me neither condemn me into the lower parts of the earth for thou o lord art the god of them that repent verse 14 and in me thou wilt shew all thy goodness because he breathed his good revelation into us if we go to genesis and we look at what took place in genesis 2 for thou wilt save me that am unworthy according to thy great mercy. And I will praise thee forever all the days of my life, for all the hosts of heaven doth sing thy praise, and thine is the glory forever and ever. Amen. I that is the end of this prayer of the king of Judah, Manasseh. My encouragement to you as you listen to this episode is that you truly embrace why repentance is given in the first place. See, it is given to those who are the sinners. Those who are without sin don't need just like those who are not sick don't need a doctor or a hospital. But see, it is those that are sick, those that have sinned, that need repentance. Because true repentance is repentance in the heart. And when you repent in the heart, surely you will experience the great mercy of the Lord, the Most High God, the creator of the ends of the universe. So may you walk in repentance today that you would receive the mercies that have already been added unto your life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. May peace be your abode.